Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Ellsworth's specialty is family medicine. He works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Ellsworth. Good morning, Laura. Thanks for being here today. We have a lot to cover today. Our our Prairie Doc topic this week is the heart. Uh, so we want to spend some time talking about the heart and what questions you might have regarding the heart. Uh, but we also have big news out in the world that um, with COVID vaccines being available for kids. So we're also going to spend some time talking about COVID vaccines and boosters. So if you listening today have any questions regarding the heart, regarding COVID vaccines, or any other medical question, you can give us a call now at 605-692-1430, and we will do our best to address those questions this next half hour. So yesterday, the CDC approved the Pfizer vaccine for kids ages 5 to 11, This is certainly news that our family has been watching closely, and I know I'm so looking forward to having this protection available for our daughter, for our family, and our community. Dr. Ellsworth, what do we need to know about the vaccine for kids? Yeah, it's uh, really exciting that that now we can uh, uh, immunize and and protect uh, another part of our population, um, which helps protect all the other parts of the population, too. I mean, we're all in this together. Um, And we've seen this before with other vaccines. Uh, When we started giving pneumonia vaccines to infants, the Prevnar vaccine, uh, the rates of pneumonia decreased, of pneumococcal pneumonia decreased in in their grandparents. Mm. And thus, and eventually then we said, oh, you know, maybe we should go ahead and give this Prevnar vaccine, this pneumonia vaccine to the grandparents as well. And then that, in turn, that helps protect the kids. Yes. So, um, uh, so this same concept can apply to COVID for sure. Um, and uh, you know, thankfully, uh, children, uh, you know, have been lower risk of complications from COVID, uh, but they certainly have not been, you know, immune. And and uh, you know, obviously, a- any child dying is uh, tragic. Um, and so there's been over 100 kids that have died of COVID-19. Um, this latest number I saw was 146. Um, but not just that, you've got the over 8,000 that have been hospitalized, which is scary enough mm-hmm. as a parent and as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, let alone any other long-term uh, symptoms from COVID that I have seen with kids. Mm-hmm. And I've heard of, uh, I've had... Um, various patients of mine talk about their grandkids elsewhere that used to be in everything, active in everything, and they're kind of a bump in a log for a long time sometimes because of COVID. Um, and so, you know, thankfully it can just be a mild cold like illness, thank God, mm-hmm. or even not even have symptoms, but they can have serious cases with COVID and um, let alone they can uh, carry it around in the community. And so if we can help prevent that, 
oh, that that would be that'd be one step closer to helping us all out and and uh, getting back to quote unquote normal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the vaccine was found to be ninety point seven percent effective in preventing COVID nineteen in over almost five thousand children ages five through eleven in this study and uh, in the study. Um, of the over 3,000 that got the vaccine, um, there were no serious adverse effects detected in the study. And um, common side effects, which I was looking at the details of the study, ranged in the very low single digits for the most part um, for percentage-wise, you know, include like a sore arm or some redness and swelling or fatigue or a headache or sometimes a fever or nausea or something. You know, those other side effects that sometimes we've seen with other shots mm-hmm. and with the COVID shot with adults. Um, but we're not giving the full adult dose with this. They so are a lower it, dose. How is it different than the adult dose? So the, the adult dose is, is for 12 and older, for, uh, dose is 30 micrograms of this Pfizer vaccine. The one that got approved for kids is Pfizer okay. for ages 5 to 11. And um, uh, the child age 5 to 11 dose is 10 micrograms. So it's a third of the dose. And okay. that's what they studied in this study. And it's not a simple third. They, don't, they can't draw it out of the adult uh, vaccine that we already have around sitting in, in the pharmacies. It does have to be, it's very, very slightly different. Um, they just used a, a different buffer uh, to, that's not a preservative. There's no mercury, anything like that. Um, and it's a buffer that's used in numerous other childhood vaccinations. So. Okay. All right. Now you mentioned it's 90.7% effective, um, which is quite good strong when we consider the effectiveness of most vaccines is that true yeah when you get in the 90s it's working working well okay yeah nothing nothing's going to be perfect right so you might what one in ten might still end up getting covid but um hopefully the symptoms does it seem to affect how you react to it if you do get covid do you know i guess i'm not sure if i could comment on that but based on all the other age group vaccines and, right. and much higher numbers mm-hmm. in those studies as far as at this point, now that we've vaccinated you know, a billion people on the planet, um, literally a billion people on the planet, uh-huh. um, that, that uh, it greatly reduces your risk of a serious illness and can, you know, and then thus in our hospitals still, it's a matter of majority people are unvaccinated that are in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some countries that where by far majority of people are vaccinated that uh, the people in the hospital, many of them are vaccinated. But when you parse it out by age group, those that, you know, of 80 year olds that are vaccinated, you're, they were much more likely to be in the hospital or die of COVID if they were unvaccinated. And of the 60 year olds, they're much more likely to be in the hospital and die if they were unvaccinated. So in total, you might have more people in the hospital in the United Kingdom mm-hmm. that are vaccinated. But for one thing, more in the whole population are vaccinated anyway. And most of those people are going to be old people. Most of them are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. But, you know, unfortunately, we're seeing more younger people in our hospitals mm-hmm. that are sick and even dying. You know, and I say younger, I mean, 50 year olds and even 40 or even 30. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. you're down, but uh, that are on, you know, by far majority are still unvaccinated in our hospitals. Mm -hmm. 
And it is still taking a toll. I mean, I think some people feel like its numbers are way down, but as far as the people in the hospital, our numbers are not down. They've been fairly steady Mm -hmm. throughout October, and and Brookings were up some in the last week or two, and it's not going away anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, And there's been cases in this whole region of times where the hospitals are full or the ICUs are full and we can't get a patient to Sioux Falls when we need to. It's not completely constant because mm-hmm. there's, there's always some turnover. And But, uh, you know, so in the various re- regional hospitals, they're having to hold on to patients that they'd rather get to Sioux Falls mm-hmm. because the beds are full, not just with COVID, mm-hmm. but because of COVID, because mm-hmm. it's on top of everything else, especially in the ICU beds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's hard. Mm-hmm. That t- that's taxing on, on all of us, especially when we know we could have likely helped prevent this in the first place with a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our first break. And when we return, we'll talk a little bit more about that and answer any other medical questions that uh, anyone listening might have today. You may give us a call at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Skin cancer is the most common cancer in the United States. Unprotected skin can be damaged by the sun's UV rays in less than 15 minutes. Even if it's cool and cloudy, you still need protection. UV rays, not the temperature, do the damage. Anyone can get skin cancer, but some things put you at higher risk. The most common signs of skin cancer are changes on your skin, such as a new growth, a sore that doesn't heal, or a change in a mole. Tips to avoid skin cancer include stay in the shade, especially during the late morning through mid-afternoon, apply sunscreen and reapply every two hours. SPF of 30 or greater is recommended. Have your skin checked regularly and have it checked by a professional at your wellness checks. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Before the break, I was sharing that our Prairie Doc topic this week is the heart, uh, so we will get to that. But first, we've been covering the exciting news, important news, that the COVID-19 vaccine is now going to be available for kids ages 5 to 11. Some of us parents have been anxiously awaiting this time and watching for all the news on that and um, what we're learning about through the studies and all of that. So Dr. Ellsworth, it is going to be available soon now. Uh, Tell us more about how do we get a COVID-19 vaccine for our kids. Yeah, like I said, it's not the exact same vaccine, so we still need to get it out to places. Um, And I think in our own Avera Clinic in Brookings, I think maybe even as early as tomorrow, we will have it available. Um, We'll be giving it during um, their clinic visits and um, during, uh, if they 
call and get scheduled uh, with our shot nurse. Okay. Um, there's not going to be a mass vaccination event like at the Swift Tail, which thankfully we just had a successful last uh, couple days there uh, for the adult boosters. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for now, it's going to still happen in the clinics and, um, you know, offhand right the second. I guess I'm not sure about the pharmacies. Okay. On the child, I guess you'd have it's to call your, your pharmacy. Happening and right they're now. They're getting it all planned and distributed right now. So yeah. in a day, I might have that information, but right this second, I do not. Okay. So as far as you know, at, at least with the Avera Clinic, just I call to I can only speak schedule. for the Avera Clinic. Just call, give us a call to get that scheduled. Yep. Okay. And is it a um, two-dose series similar to the adults? It is a two-dose two series that's uh, 21 days apart, just like it is for the Pfizer vaccine for adults okay. as well. Okay. So you can think about that when you do call in your um, schedule that so that you have... Um, time for each of those yes. um, vaccines. And, and I, I guess I'd, I'd like to mention that, that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine basically is a, a two-shot series now, too. <laughs> yeah, it feels like that because they're yeah. really recommending the... Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> seeing that it really, you know, was waning and that does help to have bring that up. And so basically two months after your last dose, they recommend another dose. And, and they're calling it a booster but for a booster for the Johnson and Johnson after two months and a booster for Moderna and Pfizer after six months, you know, for those over age 65 or with high risk medical conditions, or if you're in an occupation that puts you at higher risk of of exposure. Okay. You're just jumping ahead of me, Dr. Ellsworth, Ah. because we did have a question that came in uh, just now um, from a caller saying he got the J&J vaccine. Should he stay with the J&J vaccine for the booster or does it matter? Yeah. You know, um, there could be some benefit to getting an mRNA vaccine as, as your booster to the Johnson and Johnson. If you want to stick with the Johnson and Johnson, that is just fine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's looking, that's giving some good protection then after that second dose. Um, so it's very reasonable to stick with the Johnson Johnson. If you want to switch to an MRNA, you're welcome to do that, but you don't have to. It's okay. a free country. <laughs> a free country. <laughs> there you go. So you have options. But what would I recommend? Yeah. Uh, what would I rec? If it was a family member, honestly, I'd be okay either way too. Okay. Yeah. So really, honestly. it's okay either way. You yep. can consider consider your options either way. All right, that sounds good. I'm just looking over all my notes to make sure I've gotten all my questions regarding kids in the vaccine. Um, yeah, I think that you covered most of my questions, Dr. Ellsworth. Anything else you wanted to mention about vaccines or boosters this morning? Um, I'll give you a second to read the, the yeah, question just that just came question in. Yeah, we just had a question come in. What is the protocol in the hospital for treating people with COVID with a vaccine or without a vaccine? There's no difference. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's, we, we're treating them the same. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, we often will give steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been shown to be helpful. We often don't want to do steroids early in the course, but usually they're not in the hospital early in the course. Um, because uh, early in the co- course, of, uh, a steroid could hinder your immune system, but it can be helpful later in the course to calm down the body's inflammatory response to the virus, which is often the problem as, by the time they're getting hospitalized. Um, so that's, that's one, one thing. Remdesivir is an antiviral medication that we'll often give in, in the hospital. 
the monoclonal antibody infusion that can be helpful early in the course. That um, sometimes we're giving priority to unvaccinated because there had been at times a shortage of that. And the people at higher risk were those that were unvaccinated. So they were getting the monoclonal antibody treatment if there was uh if we had a shortage but right now there's not a shortage again so early on you know if you get diagnosed and you're interested in that monoclonal antibody treatment um talk to your doctor and get that ordered and you can get that at the hospital if you meet certain uh sometimes requirements i mean we're not gonna who should consider that well certainly over age 65 or higher risk medical conditions unvaccinated have obesity, hypertension, diabetes, other medical conditions that mm-hmm. would, could put you at higher risk. Okay, then you should consider that yes. option. Yeah, um, let me think about, uh, you know, otherwise other treatments in the hospital are gonna be oxygen, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a big one. Um, um, you know, sometimes these people are getting, it may need uh, fluid or medications or maybe we'll start antibiotics, uh, you know, depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, once they're in the hospital, the, I don't know. There's no difference in treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, really, the vaccine is, is on the front end to help prevent it in the first place. And, and no, it doesn't always prevent it. And those that are elderly um, are going to be higher risk um, of maybe needing to be hospitalized. Um, And those that are unvaccinated are going to be higher risk and needing to be unvaccinated. And one of those you can do something about, and one of those you can't can't do anything Mm -hmm. about, other than other preventive measures, such as um, avoiding crowds, encouraging people to stay home when sick, covering your mouth with your elbow, and such. Wearing masks, watching your hands, all those uh, things that, you know, maybe we should have been doing once in a while anyway. Yeah. Good things to do. Uh, there's another question here, Dr. Ellsworth, um, wondering, has the CDC tallied the numbers of deaths of people from complications following a vaccine shot and getting and getting COVID following the vaccine? Uh, yeah, you know, they've been tracking some of those breakthrough infections, um, and they're certainly happening. I mean, we're mm-hmm. seeing them happen, um, you know, just at a lower rate. But, but uh, the vaccine was never claiming to be 100% effective. And we've also seen decreasing immunity over time. Thus, we're doing the boosters. We're definitely seeing decrease in immunity o- over time from nat- quote-unquote natural infection um, with COVID as well. And uh, I just heard the specific numbers uh, this morning, um, but it is looking like, you know, and there's been mixed, some studies suggested, oh, maybe natural infection was, quote unquote, better or longer lasting. And but more studies and better studies have shown that the the, you know, studies that involve more people Mm -hmm. have shown that, oh, actually, the vaccine looks like it's providing lasting immunity. Now, I did see something that saw that if you've had the natural infection and had the vaccine, you probably had the best (laughs) best protection protection. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily recommended. Okay. As far as trying to get COVID. So if you've, yeah. so you're saying even if you've had COVID, um, your best protection is to also get a vaccine yep. for going forward. That's yeah. what the studies are saying yeah. now. Yeah, okay. you know, a booster. And if you've mm-hmm. been vaccinated and then you get the infection, 
well, now your immune system's probably better because you got boosted by COVID. Mm, okay. You know, it's just a matter. And unfortunately, this was always a problem in the past. Uh, why do we get colds every year? What, what is the number one reason for colds? Often coronaviruses mm-hmm. this, from this family of, that COVID comes from. Mm-hmm. And so the natural immunity in coronaviruses obviously isn't normally long lasting because people get colds year after year. Mm-hmm. I think this person was also wondering about the negative side effects the, um, of a COVID vaccine and if they're being tracked and how they're being tracked. And maybe that's mm-hmm. something a yeah, lot I mean, of us don't a, know about. Right. So if you, if you had a patient with a negative, a, um, effect or whatever. How is that reported and tracked? And I think you can go online and 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 re- report it somewhere. You mm-hmm. could talk to your doctor and get it reported. And there's a national registry taking, uh, re- uh, you know, track of all that. Um, remember that if you if you have whatever you, symptoms after getting a shot, mm-hmm. that doesn't always mean it's from the shot because mm-hmm. we have to compare the rate of people feeling those symptoms in the general population as well. Mm-hmm. So every single one that's logged in one of those things doesn't mean it's necessarily from the shot. They have to compare it to placebo or compare it to uh, th- those that did not get the shot. And because there's other people that did not get the shot that one day wake up feeling nauseous mm-hmm. or a headache or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And or even more serious mm-hmm. um, complications. So, um, th- but yes, they're certainly tracking all that. Now, people that don't, mention it you know it doesn't get reported but if it was just mild symptoms you know for a day or two that's not unexpected and they did track those in specific studies mm-hmm. with people and there's all sorts of numbers and percentages for that mm-hmm. okay sounds yeah. good so yes there is information out there and you we can all be informed um if we want to learn the details about the COVID 19 vaccines and the side effects and all of that what are some of the trusted resources you recommend people look at to get their information yeah there's fact sheets that from the cdc that uh, go through all the details and numbers and percentages and based on age and uh all the various side effects and percentages that you can find from the cdc um and uh you know um it may be the mayo clinic website um you could go to the Avera or Sanford websites mm-hmm. and find information off of them as well. Sure. All right. Sounds good. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Academic success is an excellent indicator for the overall well-being of youth and a primary predictor and determinant of adult health outcomes. Leading national education organizations recognize the close relationship between health and education, as well as the need to foster health and well-being within the educational environment for all students. If you find your student struggling with classwork, seek help early. The school counselors may be able to direct you to a tutor to help the student stay on course. Also talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings to have your student's health evaluated. There is a variety of issues that could be causing the poor grades, such as poor sleep or attention deficit disorder. Call today for an appointment, 605-697-9500. 
Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here answering our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We've been talking most of the morning about uh, COVID-19 vaccines for kids, the boosters, and um, the rates of how successful those things are. So thank you, Dr. Ellsworth, for sharing that information. We're going to switch gears a little bit. Our Prairie Doc topic this week is the heart, and you have a show coming up tomorrow night that you are planning. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. I've got two great guests. Uh, I was working at the Heart Hospital uh, a month ago, um, and I uh, they were really uh, great personalities. So Dr. Helder, she's a cardiovascular surgeon at North Central Heart, at the Heart Hospital down in Sioux Falls. And uh, Dr. Chowdhury, uh, also a cardiologist who does a lot with heart failure um, and other you know, cardi- cardiac conditions um, down there at North Central Heart at the Heart Hospital. And uh, um, I think they'll be uh, really insightful and, and help answer anyone's questions about uh, cardiac or cardiology uh, topics. Um, you know, one more thing about COVID or vaccine side effects or, or whatever, you know, there's the rare case of, uh, of uh, a cardiomyopathy, uh, myocarditis um, from uh, a vaccine. But, you know, we're seeing issues with that at much higher rates because of COVID. Mm. Uh, too. Um, and so I'm, I'll be curious their insight on that, too, and, and what they have to say mm-hmm. uh, about those conditions. Absolutely. Um, I feel like we've been hearing a lot, or I've been hearing about a few different examples anyway, where people have been just having some minor symptoms, where it turns out to be a pretty big heart issue, like um, just a little tire, a little extra fatigue. What are some of the symptoms we should be aware of that we know we should take seriously that may be related to our hearts. Yeah, certainly chest pain, chest pressure, you know, chest pain with exercise or activity. Um, Increasing shortness of breath, where it's like, oh, I'm just getting more short of breath when I am going up the stairs or whatever. And, you know, it can happen just from lack of activity or uh, getting out of shape Mm -hmm. or getting older, but it can happen from... Uh, your heart. It can happen for uh, something else going on with the lungs, or maybe you're anemic. Uh, maybe your blood counts are low. I mean, there can be a variety of changes, uh, uh, things to consider, um, which is just a good reminder, good reason to see your doctor. Uh, increase in your weight or fluid or swelling of your legs can be related to the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, which those all seem like things that I may not put too much extra thought in, just be like, oh, that's weird. I would keep going about my day or uh, what yeah. up my week. <laughs> and yeah. then, but it is good to get those um, looked at to and see if it is a bigger. Yeah. And it, it, you know, I mean, it's common sometimes for people to get a little swelling towards the end of the day of their right. legs or if they didn't drink enough water or if they mm-hmm. drank too much water or if, uh, if um, there's s- this really more usually it's a bigger issue of salt and sodium. If you have too much sodium in your diet can, can lead to that too. But Mm-hmm. We don't know that unless we try to figure it out. And how do you try to figure that out? What are some of the things? There's you some would blood do? tests that can be helpful. Okay. Maybe an echocardiogram, an ultrasound of the heart to see how it's beating. See if there's something that's not beating quite right. Sometimes it has to do with your heart rhythm, mm-hmm. and if it's not 
beating nice and regular or too fast and then is having trouble filling up again, then it can't pump as well. And so when it's irregular like that, that can be a reason too. Okay. In your essay this week, you mentioned um, sometimes a real simple solution. Uh, Just taking some medicine will help get everything working again um, and keeping you healthy and avoiding a major health concern. Um, So sometimes there's just a simple minor life change that you can make to help avoid that. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously diet and exercise are important in the first place and Mm -hmm. maybe a low salt diet and and so on. Um, uh, But sometimes it does take medication and whether that's a rhythm medication or a blood pressure medication uh, to help the heart or and or maybe a, a fluid pill to help keep the fluid down so that the heart doesn't get backed up too much and fall behind with the fluid it's trying to pump. Mm-hmm. I think as a, a lay person, sometimes I think that with the heart, it might mean a major surgery or a major ac- um, operation needs to happen. But yes, diet, exercise, and some other solutions might also um, help in that situation. Dr. Ellsworth, we had another question come in uh, regarding taking the daily low dose of aspirin. Um, this individual heard lately that it's no longer necessary. What are the doctor's thoughts on that? Yeah, the pendulum swings back and forth on that on sometimes. Yeah, you know, uh, it certainly, if your doctor said you should take a low-dose aspirin, 81 milligram aspirin, or if you've had a history of a heart attack or stroke, that might still be very recommended for you. Um, however, if you are completely healthy, or uh, maybe just have high blood pressure, uh, maybe you don't need to take that anymore. Um, That might be something to talk about with your doctor. Certainly if you have a history of uh, GI issues, stomach issues, that may be a bigger reason not to take the aspirin anymore. But in general, yeah, just for routine prevention of heart attacks and strokes, uh, taking that aspirin as a preventative measure now is getting a little less uh, recommended uh, or not recommended. and, and part of that is it can still probably decrease your risk of a heart attack or stroke, but then there's the increased risk of a bleed or if you had a hemorrhagic stroke, a bleeding stroke, as opposed to a stroke caused from a clot, um, the aspirin could be harmful in that situation. So it's a balance of weighing the risks and the benefits, and maybe you don't need to take that aspirin, baby aspirin anymore. Uh, might want to talk to your doctor about it. Okay. I want to mention um, next week, uh, well, this month is National Diabetes Awareness Month. And next week, Katie Vanderwall, a dietitian with Brookings Health System, will be on our show to help bring awareness to this topic. So please tune in next Wednesday. And if you have questions for our dietitian next week, uh, get those to us. I'm looking forward to next week's radio show, and I hope you all will join us for that as well. So before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Tomorrow, November 4th, the On Call with the Prairie Doc Television show will focus on heart issues and Prairie Doc host Andrew Ellsworth will be joined by Dr. Helder and Dr. Choudhardy from the North Central Heart Hospital, a division of Avera Heart Hospital. So tune in this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Vera Medical Group Brookings. 
and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Andrew Ellsworth for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.